And good morning to those specifically joining us online. Welcome. Uh, Today is week two of a four-week message series entitled, I'm In. And we've been talking about four different qualities as to how God sees us. And they all begin with the same two letters, I and N. Last week, we talked about how we are invited. We have all been invited to be part of God's family. The whosoever, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. We have all been invited. Today, we're going to take a look at how we are invaluable. Next week, we're going to take a look at how we are influential, how God designed us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And then we'll finalize this series with talking about how we are invested. The message this morning is an important message, but it's also a difficult message. Because most people do not believe this about themselves. Most people do not believe that they are invaluable. Let me just give you this illustration to point of talking about how invaluable we are. I have $10 for whoever wants it. Raise your hand. Anybody want $10? Raise your hand. There you go. Look at that. Well, before I give it away, I want to do something. How many still want it? There you go. Let me do this. Now, how many still want it? You have just learned a very valuable lesson. That no matter what was done to this $10 bill, it did not lose its value. Think about that. Come on, Allie, get up here. You can have the step on crinkled $10 bill. Listen, throughout this journey called life, many times we are squeezed, we are pressed, we are dropped, we fall, we're stepped upon. There are times in life where we feel like we are being grounded into the ground because of decisions we've made. Or because of circumstances that happen to us. And all of a sudden, many feel worthless. But I want you to know that no matter what has happened or what will happen, you never lose your value in God's sight. You are His child and you are invaluable. I want you to know that you are priceless. 
You are indispensable. You are irreplaceable. And our worth in life isn't become because of what we do or because of who we know, but our value in life is because of who we are. We are a child of God. We have been uniquely created, wonderfully, skillfully crafted by Him. And that makes you of value. No matter what has happened, no matter what will happen, you never lose your value in the sight of God. Also, you're valuable because you were created on purpose for a purpose. Do you know that God has a purpose for every one of his children? He has given you gifts, talents, and abilities that you are to affect his kingdom. Now, why is this a hard message for people to believe? Because they look around at everything going on in the church They look at everybody who's doing those things and all of a sudden they feel like, but pastor, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Pastor, I'm I'm not of value. My goodness gracious, have you ever looked at the gifts and the talents of some individuals in the church? Unbelievable. And you look at their gifts, you look at their talents, you look at their abilities, and all of a sudden you you start to feel a little insecure. Hey, can I be honest? Don't you all wish you could play the cello like Betty Brown? Yeah. Yeah. And we start to buy into what I call one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to sell the church. If I weren't here, it wouldn't matter. If I weren't here, it wouldn't matter. We're going to share... I'm going to share with you a scripture in just a few moments that will dispel this lie of the enemy because all of you are important. But before I do so, can I give you a quiz? Can I give you a little quiz this morning? All right, here we go. We all know that a single one of these is called a what? An elven. Good. You guys are good. But do you know what? A group of elephants are called? Huh? A herd. You got that right. Well, we all know what one of these are called, right? A lion. But do you know what a group of lions are called? Wow, you guys are, I mean, two for two. All right. We know this is a cheetah. But you know what a group of cheetahs are called? It's not Cheetos. It's something you eat. Come on, we were two for two. Anybody know? And I see 
I see some cheaters over there already Googling a group. I want to become, I, I want to look smart in the kingdom. It's called a coalition. A coalition of cheetahs. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Well, we all know what this is, right? A donkey. But be careful. You know what a group of them are called? <laughs> yeah, some of you are getting it. Don't say it. Because it's not the answer. You know a group is called? It's called a pace. Kind of interesting. Well, we have a flock of crows. That's the technical name for crows, a flock of crows. But do you know the poetic term? A what? A murderer of crows. Wow, I'm impressed. Well, how about this next one? Vultures. When vultures are flying in the air, they're considered a kettle of vultures. But when they're on the ground or they're perched in a tree, do you know what vir- uh, vultures are referred to as? Huh? I, this is my favorite. Are you ready? It's so apropos. It's called a committee. <laughs> and that's why we don't have a lot of committees in the church because we don't need a bunch of vultures. <laughs> and what I think is so interesting about this is that when animals are by themselves, individually, they have a name. But when those animals are in a group, they take on a new identity. Let that sink in for a moment. Each animal is given a name by itself. But when they're in a group, they take on a new identity. Now, someone who has submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ is what? Called a Christian. But when that Christian becomes a part of other Christians, what is that group called? The church of Jesus Christ. Individually, we're called Christian. But as a group, we take on a now identity and are known as a church. Paul refers to it as the body of Christ. In other words, together, we form his body. Jimmy, you become the hands of, of Jesus as, as you serve the community at large and tent cities and, and the abused girls' home that you, that you serve. Edothia, Mark, you, you become the mouth of God because as part of intercessory prayer, Larry and Jackie, who gather on Wednesday nights, you, 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 you voice and intercede on behalf of people and pray for them. Vince, you, you, you're the heart of God, man. Your care For those who are hurting. Sophia and Tara, they're the feet of God as as they take the message of Jesus Christ to places where we can't go. And together, the mouth, the hand, the feet, all work together as we form the body of Christ to make an impact for the kingdom of God in this lost world. 
Now, I want to summarize Paul's words that I'm going to share with you. And if you don't get anything else, please listen. The summary of today's message, the summary of today's passage scripture, can all be summed up in three words. I need you. I need you. You need one another. Paul says, now, the body is a unit. And though it's made up of many different parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ, for we were all baptized into one spirit, into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. Just like our physical body is made up of many parts. You see, we know the church at Corinth had some problems. And what Paul was pointing out was this. Everybody in the body of Christ is important. And because it's made up of many parts, there should never be one part who thinks that it's more important than the other part. And that's where we run into problems all the time. In church, some people think that their ministry is more important than someone else's ministry. No. And the reason why there's many parts is because there's many needs. Many needs to take care of. And if we didn't have many parts, then there would be needs that are often overlooked. Paul is saying, I need you. And now he lays down three principles in the body of Christ. First, each member is interdependent. It doesn't say each member is independent. Because when members in the body of Christ are independent, watch out. We are interdependent. We need one another. And Paul goes on to say this. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. If they were one part, where would the body be? As it is, 
There are many parts, but one body. And what Paul is telling the church at Corinth, he's trying to embrace this fact. Celebrate your differences. Because every part in your body is different from another part. But it's so necessary in the functioning of your body. And Paul's saying, embrace it. Embrace that not everyone is the same. Embrace that everyone has different gifts, different talents, different abilities. Embrace it. And recognize how vital each part is to the functioning of the body. Can you imagine? Just imagine with me for a moment. What if everyone here was a preacher? Come on. I know what you're thinking. We'd have some long services. Mark, who would take care of the twins? Who would greet you when you came in? Who would teach the children? Who would lead the worship? Who would work behind the glass? Who would work the sound? If everybody was a preacher, hello somebody, we would be in trouble. But as it is, there are some people who have technology. There are some people who have musical abilities. There are some people who have a friendly smile. There are all different parts. And each part is vital. Therefore, don't mess with one another. I can't believe that it's 39 years ago this week. 39 years ago, the day after Labor Day, my wife got into her Pontiac T-1000. I got into my Pontiac T-1000. And we pulled out of my parents' driveway with Bonnie, just a little infant, and drove four hours south to begin our ministry in Winchester, Virginia. My first year in ministry, I learned something vital about this passage of Scripture. There was a lady in the church. We called her Granny DeHaven. Granny DeHaven probably was in her early 70s. Both her sons and her three grandsons and her two daughter-in-laws came to church. But Granny would just occupy a pew. Do you know what I'm saying? When it came time for sign-up for nursery help, other people her age would sign up to help in the nursery, but Granny never did. She never helped out with children's church. Never helped out in Sunday school. She was never a part of the Wednesday night Bible study. She was never a part of Sunday night church. Granny would just come and fill a pew on Sunday mornings. When we had fellowship dinners, she'd sit there and eat. When it came time to clean up, she would just sit there and eat. 
And I often was curious as a young man, what's her purpose in the body of Christ? Is her purpose just to be a pew warmer and a pew sitter? One day, Granny asked me to come up to her house for lunch, and I went up through the holler, up the hill, Winchester, and went in, parked, and went into her back door, into her kitchen. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw on the kitchen table her, her, her Bible opened on the kitchen table. And I'm thinking to myself, ha-ha, she knew the preacher was coming. Because whenever the preacher comes, you always dust off the dust from your Bible. And, and it, look, you know, you, it looks like you know, you, you're reading it. Sat down, had lunch. And she reminded me of my grandmother. She even had the candy jar, the plants. And she told me, I'm here all by myself every day. If you're ever in the area, just please stop in. You don't even have to call. I fell in love with Granny DeHaven. I would just be riding through, stop in, get some free candy, talk to her a little bit. And I would always see her Bible opened on the kitchen table. One day I mentioned, I I realized that that wasn't just put there because I was coming for lunch. But every day I stopped in. It was there. I said, hey, Granny, I I see you have your Bible on your kitchen. She goes, yeah, I read it every morning. I read it every night. In fact, there are some nights when I wake up and I can't go back to sleep. Here, I want to show you something. And from underneath her Bible, she pulls a notebook out. And she opens it up. She goes, these are the people... I pray for in our church. And when I saw my name and my wife's name and Bonnie's name, folks, you don't know what that did to me. She says, I I pray for them every, I pray for you and your family every day. And then she goes to a different section in the book and she shows me her immediate family and all the needs of her immediate family, her two sons, her three grandsons, her daughters-in-laws and, and what's taking place in the family. And then she goes to another section and she shows me of all the prayer requests that had been served in church that she's praying for. And all of a sudden I realize she is a life support to the church. She is just as vital as the greeter or the nursery worker or the children's church worker or the person behind the glass or the person running the sound or the person leading us or worship or even the preacher she is a lifeline of the church and we need more granny to haven so you know what when you see someone and it doesn't like they're doing much folks you never know what they're doing at home inner dependent we need one another We need to fulfill our responsibility of the purpose why God created us in his kingdom. Because we are interdependent. And I often thought, if it wasn't for the prayers of Granny DeHaven, I don't know where some of the people in the church would be. I need you. We need one another. Because we are interdependent. Secondly, each member 
is indisposable. Now we come upon a, a greater problem, a more severe problem. There are people in the church, hey, just because I don't function like the hand or, or the eye, I don't need to be a part, I don't feel like I fit in. Okay, yes, you do. But here's another problem. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, wait. I know that happens in our physical body. Come on, aren't there parts of you that you don't like? I don't need all this fat. I don't need this nose. I wish my ears were a little smaller. I wish I didn't have such big thighs. And have you ever seen my toe? It's huge. But in the body of Christ, in church, do people say, I don't need you? Oh, think again. Two months down in Winchester, a brother and sister walk into church. The lady gives me a big smile. She's missing her two front teeth. Her brother smiles. He has five. And all of a sudden, I realized, whew, they had some hygiene problems. Her brother, Charles, only spoke five words. Mary, well, you couldn't keep her quiet. They started coming to Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school class. A room about 10 by 30, 20 to 30 people. Mary and Charles would just sit there. After about a month, the pastor came to my office. Jeff, we have a problem. Yeah, what's that, Pastor Vandery? He goes, some people in the adult class, they aren't happy. In fact, they're talking about not coming to Sunday school anymore. Because, well, Charles and Mary, they, they can't stand the, the odor. What were they saying? I don't need you. I started talking to Mary and Charles and found out well, they lived in a home with no running water. They had a pump. I rode past their house one time. I was like, huh? In the early 80s, I can't believe they were living like that. I found out they were a part of a program. I found what program they were a part of. I called, found out that they had a counselor. I talked to the counselor, and she goes, oh, over the past couple months, there's been a change in Mary and Charles. All, all of a sudden, they're happy, and they love going to church. They talk about your church. I go, yeah, but we have a problem. Some people are complaining about their hygiene. She goes, Reverend, don't worry about it. We have showers here. I make sure before they leave the program every Friday, they take a shower. Boya! About a month later, the family gave us a bus. We started a bus ministry. 
And another family came in with two adults who were special needs. Now, all of a sudden, the Sunday school adult classroom had four special needs adults just sitting there. A lady who came to church maybe every other week wasn't real consistent. You know, you just kind of like she thought she was on the fringe, you know. They came when they wanted. She comes up to me. She says, Pastor, I went to Sunday school class the other day, and I saw those four special needs. Do you think I could start a Sunday school class for them? Sure, Mary. She says, I have a brother who's special need. She had a heart. I said, Mary, I don't know if we have any classrooms left, but there's a church balcony. She had her class in the balcony, and all of a sudden, she started coming every week, teaching her class. All four of her class members failed the word recognition test. Six months into it, she comes to me one Sunday, or one Sunday, she goes, next Sunday, do you think my class could do a little presentation? I go, sure. Didn't know what we were getting. She said, they've been learning some memory verses. I'm thinking, okay. Next Sunday comes, I introduce Mary as our special needs adult Sunday school teacher, and they have a little presentation. Mary comes up with no two front teeth, stands up in front, grabs a mic, and she quotes from memory five scripture verses. Five. And she says, I love this church and I love God. God bless you. And sits down. And out of the corner of my eye, I knew the little group that was complaining about having her in Sunday school. And all of a sudden, I saw their heads just go like this. And I felt like going up to them and say, hey, could you quote five scripture verses for me? Because I knew they probably couldn't. Listen to what Paul says. On the contrary, those parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we treat, we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that each part should have Equal concern for each other. In other words, don't mess with one another. All right, it's a day of quiz. One more quiz before you leave. Who's flying the kite? Who's flying the kite? The wind would say, I'm flying it. The material of the kite attached to the frame would say, no, I'm flying it. The tails attached to the kite would say, no, we're flying it. The string would protest, no, I'm flying it. And the girl on the end of the string would say, no, I'm flying it. But in reality, 
they all had a part in flying the kite. Because if the wind stopped, if the material ripped, if the tails got caught in a tree, if the string broke and the girl tripped and fell and dropped the end of it, that kite would fall to the ground. Different parts forming one function. We are interdependent. Each of us are indispensable, but each member is also interconnected. Paul says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Each of you are a valuable priceless, irreplaceable part. You ever do some chores around the house? You're a handyman, and all of a sudden you hit your thumb with a hammer? Immediately when you hit your hope, hope yeah, you, Hope's got a night. The other day, Hope was at the office, and I said, oh, you got your nails painted? She goes, no, I hit my thumb. <laughs> when that happens, what immediately takes place in your body? Your brain registers that there's pain. Your hand reaches for your thumb to stop the, thrive, the, th- uh, the, the thriving, the Throbbing. All of a sudden, your feet do a little dance. And out of your mouth comes words. And depending on your spiritual condition at the moment, well, that will affect what words you say. But a little part affected the whole body. When one suffers... We are interconnected where we send sympathy cards. We offer up prayers. When one is promoted, when one is baptized, we all gather and rejoice with her. Why? Because we are invaluable to one another. We are of value to Christ. We are of value to the body of Christ. And even though we may look different, we may have different abilities, we may have different talents, we may have different ministries, we all are invaluable when it comes to the body of Christ. And what is it that interconnects us? For we were all baptized. By one spirit into one body. Whether you're Jew or Greek, whether you're slave or free, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, thank God, but it's made up of many. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Jesus. Father, may we realize the importance of this message 
but also realize the difficulties because there's so many people who do not believe that they are of value, that they are invaluable. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal to them the purpose for which they were created and be able to take up their part in the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Jamal is coming to lead us as we go to the Lord's table at this time.